The Paradise Center for the Arts is a vibrant cultural and artistic gathering spot in historic downtown Faribault. The Paradise is committed to offering high-quality visual and performing art opportunities for Faribault and our region. Regular events spotlight some of the best artists and musicians in our area and throughout Minnesota and the Upper Midwest. Our beautifully restored facility includes art galleries, classrooms, clay and textile labs, a gift shop and rehearsal spaces, in addition to a 300-seat auditorium. Visit ParadiseCenterForTheArts.org for a full schedule of events or call our box office at 507-332-7372. Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination, with your host Paula Granquist, is brought to you by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts. And now, Art Zany, radio for the imagination. Good morning. This is Paula Granquist, and you're tuned in to Art Zany, radio for the imagination. I want to thank you so much for listening to the show as we celebrate all things creating and stories. So let's get together and tune our imaginations this morning's show, we're going to have two segments and maybe a quote that's often attributed to Mark Twain, but not always sourced to Mark Twain, that history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme is an apt introduction to today's show. Maybe today's theme is about those echoes of history and how we need to stand in that place of looking back and moving forward and just to be present. The first segment of Arts Any Radio Studio, I'm going to welcome Celtic musician and master folk artist Laura McKenzie to preview the Brass Lassie performance at Armory Square in Northfield tonight. And the second segment in the Arts Any Radio Studio, I will feature the theater artists from the Northfield Arts Guild, Misha Edwards from the production The Revolutionists, and Sebastian Lawler and another actor from the production of The Outsider. So let's get started. The first event is Brass Lassie at Armory Square. That is Friday, October 21st at 7.30, right here in downtown Northfield. It's really exciting to see that they're going to be back together. It's a bold trad band based in the Twin Cities, combines the traditional tunes, songs, and style with dazzling modern horn lines, sparkling their own genre of eclectic, remarkable music. The ensemble performs extraordinary takes on Scottish, Irish, and French music, traditional and new, featuring all a four-piece horn section, rhythm section, fiddle, flutes, pipes, and vocals, and occasional percussive dance. It is joyous, it is smart, and it is top-notch. And so we're going to go ahead and take a listen to a conversation I had with Laura McKenzie. She is considered the Celtic music wizard by the Minneapolis Star Tribune, the high priestess of Celtic music by Minnesota Public Radio. And she is just an amazing person who has appeared in many productions, performed in many ways, and done many things to promote this music in our community and around the world. So let's take a listen to a conversation with Laura McKenzie. Welcome to Art Zany Radio. It's a thrill to have you here. I've been hearing about you and now I finally get to meet you and I thank you for being here. I want to ask you a little bit about, uh, since you have so many great musical experiences, adventures and talents, how do you describe what you do when somebody asks you about yourself? Well, thank you, Paula. That is a wonderful question, but not very easy to answer. I would say that I am a performer and a presenter and a programmer and a producer and a teacher of traditional music 
By that, I mean the music of Ireland and Scotland and also England and some other Celtic tradition regions. Um, and also I do all of those things in very diverse contexts. Yeah, you do. You have so many different ways that this path has taken you. It's quite exciting, and I'm, re I'm really thrilled that Brass Lassie is going to be here in Northfield, and I want to thank Susan Vistendahl for making the connection. And I read in her article in the Entertainment Guide that you didn't grow up listening to this music, which surprised me because it feels like it's in your bones and it's something that would have been a part of your story. But that um, there was a gift from your father that sent you off on a course that, that <laughs> changed the rest of your life. <laughs> yes, it did. That's right. Susan, Susan had that right. I, I grew up um, studying classical music and playing in the school band and the school orchestra and singing in choir and madrigals and then going off to college later also studying classical music and still something turned for me. But when I was in high school, my father did give me a surprise Christmas gift of a card on the tree that had $50 in it. That was a long time ago. I'm not going to tell you how long, but <laughs> $50 was a lot then, and it said for bagpipes. And I didn't know what to do with that because we didn't talk about bagpipes. We didn't talk about our, our family heritage really at all. And there was no traditional Scottish music played in the house. Um, so I accepted it graciously and kind of quietly. He passed away a couple of years after that. And not long after that, something snapped. And I started studying bagpipes. And now I play about six or seven different types of bagpipes. Yeah, not only the bagpipes, but you play a whole range of wind instruments. I think everyone should look up Susan's article, which is um, from the Entertainment Guide. It is from 2016, Catching Up with Celtic Music Wizard, Laura McKenzie. And there's this great picture of you with all those different wind instruments and flutes and uh, amazing array. So I, I'm kind of curious that um, how, how does it feel to like learn a new instrument? Is it like building on the past one or does each one have its own, you know, uh, challenges and, you know, it's like starting a different thing? Well, there are connections in that they are all wind powered. So they do build upon each other as I, as I have added them over time. But they, each one has its own quirks, and the fingering systems might be a little different. And what I consider wind instruments sometimes are different what people might imagine, like my concertina is also a wind instrument, but it doesn't play like a flute at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and how many instruments uh, would you say that you have performed with or, or recorded with or you know, played on stage? <laughs> well, I could say um, within each category, there's a number of instruments, but it's basically concertinas, wooden flutes, and whistles, and bagpipes, and voice. And then there's quite a few instruments in each of those categories. Yeah, it's so much fun to learn about all, all those things. And they're, you know, it's so great to have someone because you do teach these um, to students. 
I do, I do, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so is there, what, uh, what interest, uh, what kind of students come to you to learn about these instruments? Well, usually people want to uh, learn about Irish-style flute or whistle. Um, those are the most accessible instruments to have in hand for, pe for people who want to learn. I have taught people playing Scottish small pipes as well, um, but they have to have the instrument, so that's a little dif more difficult to acquire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it must be amazing to be able to have those all those that range of, of instruments, because one of the things that that you've done is you've explored Celtic music, and through travels and playing with all kinds of you know just well known and then folks in the countryside and, and all kinds of different experiences. Uh, but you've also worked to sort of creating some new, I'm not sure what the right word is, especially like with this new album, Brass Lassie, mm -hmm. uh, some iterations or interpretations or ways that of, you know, for all of us to listen to it anew. And I think that's a really fascinating thing. What has connecting with both that history and then trying to bring it to modern audiences taught you about that music? Well, uh, yes, you are correct that I have learned mainly actually from traditional musicians in Ireland and Scotland and across North America as well. Um, people that were, were not professional, but they were tradition bearers that I was very fortunate to learn, some, learn from extraordinary people. And now with Brass Lassie, the traditional music remains the foundation it's important to me that it's not a fusion group, like I'm not breaking down the traditional forms or changing the style that I would play the traditional tunes or the fiddler as well, she's the same, she still plays them in a very traditional style. But what we've done is surrounded the tunes and, and boosted them and enhanced the whole oral experience with something I love, which is a horn section. Mm -hmm. I'm not a brass player, so uh, I'm very excited to have invited horn players and um, with a rhythm section too, people that understand traditional music. It was important when, um, when this group was founded, I selected rhythm players that had worked a lot with traditional music. So they didn't have to go on that learning curve. They knew what to do. So that's what we do. It's still the foundation is traditional music, but it's got this exciting um, garment around it and there to uplift it as well. Yeah, I think that's what I experienced too in listening to this album was it, uh, there's so much that you can recognize, but it feels newer but it, and, and bigger and joyful in, it, in, a, in a really delightful way. I think, it, did you have an experience as of playing it? And tell me about making those arrangements too, because that, that is a, a, a to honor that tradition and then enhance it is a challenge. It is, and we have a wonderful horn arranger, Peter Enbloom, who is now the tenor trombone player in Brass Lassie. We are so lucky to have him. He and I would get together initially when I was just getting this group going, and I would bring him uh, recordings of traditional music, and we'd listen to it, and I could tell if certain things would resonate with him. And if they did, it was on the list to work on an arrangement. So he really gets the credit for um, having the, the creative imagination to come up with those horn arrangements and also inform the rhythm section of good uh, harmonic arrangements as well. Mm -hmm. I pretty much just 
brought the traditional tunes and the medleys and the ideas of how to put the traditional tunes together um, to the table. But after that, um, Peter N. Bloom deserves the big stars, big gold stars. <laughs> it's it's really fabulous, and it's so much fun to listen to. And there's influences that maybe people wouldn't expect when you hear the title Brass Lassie, <laughs> and you think because there are songs that come from all kinds of different traditions. And you want to tell us a little bit about some of those influences and, and it's, you know the range that you'll hear if, if folks come and see Brass Lassie. Yes, well, we have a lot of uh, dance tunes in our repertoire, and those are coming from Ireland and from Scotland, and also Brittany in central in uh, in in Brittany, France, not Central France. We do have music from Central France. That'll be the next concert. Mm. But, um, Brittany, and also from Cape Breton in Nova Scotia. Very. Uh, very rich Scottish heritage there. And we are adding, we don't have it yet for this week, but we're adding some music from, other music from the continent. We have some Danish traditional music coming up. Um, and probably in the future a little Swedish, but oh. also more Irish and Scottish. <laughs> That's what makes it great to, for your ear, I think, because you're, you're, it's a new, you hear something that really pulls you in and makes you want to, you know, not only you, you understand, maybe listen to this music, some of those traditional rhythms and patterns, but then the, there's this other part that comes in and you're like, well, oh, wow, I like that. <laughs> That's what makes it so so fabulous. I, maybe we should play a little bit of, of the music. I think I'm going to um, pop on the, the, the uh, one called Sheepskins and Beeswax, which I thought was a great title. <laughs> Maybe you want to introduce the tune for us. And this had a lot of so that I, what I loved about it was the introduction with some of your flute playing, which just, or no, it wasn't a flute. I, I made that mistake again. Uh, it is it is a whistle, the Irish whistle. That's right, the whistle. But, you know, that's okay because technically a whistle is a flute. It's a, it's a fipple flute. Rather, rather than a transverse flute, so. And fipple is a word that is about the direction that it's played. It's about what well, usually is the direction, but it's about the mouthpiece that directs your your airstream into the tube okay. to make the sound. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and what about this particular song, sheepskins and beeswax? Well, this is a uh, a real uh, dance tune that we learned from a French Canadian band, La Boutine Souriante. So it's a French-Canadian tune, and we have dance on this. On this live recording that you're going to hear, you will hear uh, a dancer's steps at some point. We will have guest percussive dancers on this uh, particular tune on Friday. So and that might be a little preview of what's what's coming, right? That's. Yeah. Um, from the Flying Foot Forum, that's Joe Chuala. I hope I got that right, mm -hmm. and uh, Carla Grotting. And so it, folks may know that name because Joe was down here, gosh, uh, several years ago, many, many, many years ago, um, working with the college students in a production of Alice in Wonderland, I believe it was, which was spectacular, and I had a chance to interview him for that, and really adored it. So in, his talents are many, but he'll be joining you on stage for this performance in Northfield as well. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, they will. And this is just the beginning of our partnership, and we're so excited about it. Joe and I have been talking about this for years, so it's wonderful that we're finally able able to do this. The Flying Foot Forum is about to celebrate, I believe, their 30th anniversary. Another great, uh, great opportunity for folks to learn about the arts. But let's take a listen to Sheepskins and uh, Beeswax. Here we go on Arts Zany Radio.
Lassie, now you know what we're talking about. That is just absolutely beautiful. I think it's so fun, especially that turn in the middle there where you kind of get the surprise of the horns coming in and uh, it just really grabs you. And it's such a, you just feel like moving. I don't know. There's something spectacular about that sound. We will be sure to leave some dance space at the Armory Square on Friday night. So there'll <laughs> be people who'll be able to do that. And I should remind folks that Brass Lassie is going to be at the Armory Square in Northfield. That is going to be on Friday, October 21st, 2022 at 7.30. And you can get tickets now uh, by going. It's an uh, Eventbrite, but you can go to either BrassLassie.com to their events page and click, or you can go to the Armory and uh, click on their website, and they'll lead you to that as well. And you're recommending people get those tickets in advance? Well, it's an, it's nice for us that they do, but they will be available at the door as well. And the ticket price is $15 in advance and also available at the door. Yes, and that sounds strange to you, but I, I have a personal uh, belief in not having a break for advance tickets. Ah, so yeah. Every I know that's a bit roguish, but <laughs> everybody sees the same show, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's what a great price that is for an evening of, of great, uh, great music. And you mentioned uh, the Armory Square, which uh, has had so many different iterations in, in Northfield. I know I was thinking that uh, that's where my kids went for a, a couple of years. The Y had their, their classes there as when they were building their building and you know so there was a fun place to go and we've of course with the armory square now there's a great place to go for music and events but you have some deep connections in northfield and have some great stories about armory square don't you yes <laughs> well when i was a teenager there were rock and roll dances there for teens and i remember them pretty well i especially remember the excitement of approaching those steps going up to that beautiful doorway and there was always a nice glow and a nice pound of sound coming through that doorway so it was very exciting it's nice to have that connection and then in more recent years Contratopia a contradance band would do at least an annual dance and maybe twice a year at the at the armory again before it was called armory square and the piano player in that beautiful Contradance band, Contratopia, is also the piano player in Brass Lassie. I love the way that story connects. And what, I mean, it is, um, you have some amazingly talented musicians. And, and you can tell that from just listening to the album and looking at some of the videos. And Brass Lassie had really been a dream of yours for quite a while. Tell us how that vision came to be and, and how you kept that alive and what it feels like to finally, you know, be able to bring that to the stage. I started thinking about an ensemble like Brass Lassie probably, oh, maybe 15 years ago or so when I was enamored with the recordings of this French-Canadian band, La Boutine Soyante. They did a similar treatment of the, the horn section and rhythm section with traditional French-Canadian music. And I always imagined it with more Scottish and Irish and other types of traditional dance music. And I did dream about it for years. I just relished the thought. And something, once again, something snapped. I'm not sure how or when, but suddenly I figured out how to do it. And I went to work and found Peter Enbloom. And then to find 
the horn players, the original horn players, I wrote up a letter. Very old-fashioned of me, I know, but I wrote up a letter on nice paper, and I would go to big band concerts and big band rehearsals in the Twin Cities and, and pass out this letter to the, the female horn players because I was seeking a female horn section. And I gave it to a few others, too. So I kind of did footwork in order to put it together initially. And it's come true. And you have this new album, Brass Lassie, which is um, got a whole great eclectic mix that's so fun to listen to because you never know where you're going. Each song, you know, takes you on, on this world music journey, really. And uh, to be able to have everybody doing the, the concerts and the new album, there's so much joy in it. When you're putting together a band, obviously you need the talent to be able to play the instruments, but there must be something else that makes it work because you can tell when a band is, you know, they've got something and do you know how to define that or describe that to, to someone who might be thinking, I, you know, I want to get that too? That is not easy. I tried to ease that process by putting in this letter that I distributed a description of, of what I loved in my life, in my musical life, and what I was hoping for with this group so people would have some idea from that before they called me up or I called them. It wouldn't just be a cold call. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and beyond that, I think sometimes it's just luck of the draw. But also, if you get a bunch of people together and they actually have said, I'll give this a try or I'm excited, I'll show up. Once you're in a room together, when everyone feels that they're uh, working together as a team and there is a genuine love for the process of rehearsing and developing music and researching new music. Um, you know that pretty early on when you put a group together and that's a wonderful feeling. I would, yeah, I would imagine and that comes across and I, you know, I don't know how to describe it myself but sometimes you can just tell that there's uh, a connection, uh, a, you know, a shared dream something that's happening with the musicians and that is a pretty fantastic um, part of Brass Lassie as far as I can tell and uh, you have some great you know you've been up connected to Northfield for a long time we briefly mentioned that and uh, so it's fun for you to come back here you mentioned and to be performing and how, how do you think you know having your roots in Northfield uh, shaped some of, of your musical journeys? That is a very interesting question. I had a wonderful music upbringing here in Northfield. You know, at the public schools, the training and the atmosphere was just absolutely wonderful. And also being able to tap into the colleges for concerts and teachers and just hanging out even at dances, which was illegal, but I used to sneak into them at Carleton and St. Olaf as a teenager. We won't tell. No, we won't <laughs> tell, but you know, I. I I heard a lot of live music that way that I might not have otherwise because it was, it's Northfield. Mm -hmm. And my family connections in Northfield, my grandfather, Kenneth John McKenzie, emigrated to Northfield or to Minnesota as an eight or nine-year-old boy from rural Nova Scotia. And back in those days, that would have been a Gallic or Gaelic, as we say, speaking area. Mm. Much of Nova Scotia still 
is Gaelic speaking. But particularly at that point in time, he came from a Gaelic speaking home front. And when that finally sunk into me, we didn't talk about that as a family, but when I finally looked at the dates and I visited where he would have come from in Nova Scotia, where that family would have come from, it really struck me deeply and suddenly I felt this blood's memory and started learning Scottish Gaelic mainly to sing it. So we've incorporated quite a bit of Scottish Gaelic song into Brass Lassie. Well, it's a really beautiful story and what you say I think is something that not everybody who grows up here maybe appreciates till after they are growing up, all the, the access to all of those different sounds and arts opportunities and you know and 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 live experiences that not every small town has <laughs> and that's a pretty great thing i do want to mention if folks aren't going to be able to make it um to the Friday performance with Laura McKenzie and Brass Lassie at the Armory Square. Again, that's Friday, October 21st at 7.30, or if you're listening on Saturday morning's rebroadcast, there are a couple other upcoming dates we want to mention. Brass Lassie is going to be at the Celtic Junction Arts Center on Friday, November 18th at 7.30, and that is in St. Paul. And then also at the Parkway Theater, on Friday, January 13th. So folks should probably get tickets for that one. I know there was a show I wanted to go to that I just got an email from them. And by the morning, I got the email. Afternoon, already sold out. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> not a, it's not a very big theater, and that's one of its assets. It's a wonderful place to play. Mm-hmm. So you never know. And I, th- I think Jessica Paxton is up there, and folks may she is. know that name from KYMN for the many years that she did the afternoon show and all of her talents with music in Northfield. So those are some exciting opportunities uh, coming up. And I'm just so excited for you to, to be here in Northfield and for folks to hear live that music. That must feel good to be able to be on stage, as it, and it's probably been a while. That I've, since I've With been on Brass stage. With Brass Lassie, yeah. Oh, yes. Well, as you can imagine, it's a big band. Mm-hmm. So they are all busy professional musicians. We don't get to perform very often. So each event like this is rare and precious and beautiful in that rare way. Mm-hmm. So folks should go ahead, get your tickets ahead of time. Again, you can go to Brass Lassie, B-R-A-S-S-L-A-S-S-I-E, Dot com and you can get those uh, click to get the link to the tickets on Eventbrite or you can go to Armory Square and they will also hook you up and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you and also I'd like to mention the doors open at 6.30 so you want if you want to come in early and get a beverage and visit with your friends you are very welcome. Well, that's a great tip yes so you don't just have to come for the concert we can all make those connections again. I want to thank Laura McKenzie for being my guest today on Arts Annie Radio. I'm going to go ahead and during the uh, interim break, pop on some more music so we can get another glimpse of Brass Lassie. And folks, this is going to be the Ann Lacey's Real Tay Bank Shenanigans from Brass Lassie as we switch out the studio. We'll be right back with more on Arts Annie Radio.
folks. Again, Brass Lassie. I highly recommend you go to their website and take a listen. And this one in particular has the video of the uh, everybody playing in the studio when they did the recording. And that is extra fun to be able to see them with their instruments and all the great talents that they have. So we are moving on to our second sec- segment where we're going to be talking about the new productions at the Northfield Arts Guild Theater. This is exciting. They have two shows. I think this might be the first time that they've ever had two shows at once. And so joining us today, uh, Misha Edwards is here. She's from the production of The Revolutionists. And then Sebastian Lawler and Susan Carlson are here from The Outsider. So this is exciting that there's they're opening up. Uh, it's tonight they open up uh, one show. We'll talk about that in a minute because it's, it's <laughs> a brand new thing the Arts Guild is doing. But uh, Misha, welcome to Arts Annie Radio. And you also have a new role at the Northfield Arts Guild. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, as performing arts manager, I've been lucky very lucky to work with the guild through the years but this is the first time in an official capacity and I have some big shoes to fill there have been some amazing community people Rachel Hyder in that role and she has been amazing at helping me learn the job so big shoes to fill little time to get into it but it's been just a blessing so far. It's wonderful. And you also are doing a dual role because now mm-hmm. you are directing this um, production of The Revolutionists. And both of these plays, I would imagine, are plays that folks aren't as familiar with. And mm-hmm. so we definitely want to be able to give people a sense. They both have the um, some political... Under no, it's a political story. There's no undertones. It's obvious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Straight out. <laughs> and and so that's good for this season that we're in right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you want to say about the revolutionists and uh, how how you do describe it to folks? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, the revolution is definitely a very political play. It is a feminist comedy, um, and it deals with three women who existed. Olympe de Gouges, who was a playwright. This is all during the French Revolution. Marie Antoinette, who I'm pretty sure we're all familiar with. And Charlotte Corday, who murdered Marat, the Jean-Paul Marat. Yeah. So it's it deals with the play. It's a play within a play. It takes place in Olympe's mind. And she is imagining what would happen if they had all met. There is also a fourth character who is a compilation of a lot of women from Saint-Domingue, which is now Haiti, a lot of revolutionists during their own, but also our character is a French is a spy for she works both angles. So she is representative of all the women whose names we don't know. And she is played by an actor. All the actors are fantastic, but she's definitely played by someone who is brings her spirit out. Yeah, that's it's a play, like I said, that many folks may not know. It is by Lauren Gunderson, and it takes place in 1793 Paris. So mm-hmm. how did you, um, you know, connect with that? And, and, and I think it's really fascinating how it's a story about these women making change, and that's probably something we can definitely hook on to. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, all three women, the real women, were executed for speaking up and standing out, and they so they were persecuted. But it's an oddly uplifting play at the end because their spirit lives on, and it's about the stories that get told and the stories we hear. And we also had this amazing dramaturg. His name is Sebastian Lawler. <laughs> <laughs> and he's right here. Yeah, <laughs> who helped us with a lot of French history and pronunciations through French language. So 
we got a lot more of an understanding of the history side than we would have had if I'd just done it in an academic way. So. Wow, Sebastian, mm -hmm. let's jump in. Oh, Your name sure. has been called. Indeed, so. <laughs> indeed. Throwing you, my hat in the ring. And you've done a lot of theater, at, yes. and that's been a, a wonderful thing, but I did not know your connections to understanding French history. Oh, certainly. Well, I, I was a history major at Kalamazoo College, and I graduated pretty recently, and I know especially um, uh, like French Revolutionary history is pretty fascinating to me. It's kind of the iconic revolution whenever you're talking about uh, historical topics for that. And it gets referenced all the time by all sorts of other folks, especially. Um, I know, yeah, it was interesting kind of delving more into this for and just getting the information for the show because there's a lot of kind of complicated stuff going on in the French Revolution that leads it from this sort of protest against, you know, the, the monarchy and attempt to create this democracy into this whole crazy gigantic mess of yes we must destroy the enemies of the revolution and <laughs> you know uh and yeah like uh, folks like uh, Olympe de Gouges especially get caught up in that because um Olympe de Gouges especially just a playwright just I mean not just a playwright but not like a threat to the state and mm -hmm. yet uh yeah you know it, it's yeah it's, it's an interesting one just talking about especially political crises going out of control as, as far as histor history goes French Revolution is a great example of that. Yeah, and so you were both the dramaturg on, on that production, but you're also in The Outsider, which is the, a second show that's running at the Arts Guild right now on diff different times, so it's not uh, one long night. Each night has its own own production, and The Outsider is by, by Paul Slade-Smith, and it's directed by Deanne Hyder. Folks may know that name, too, in town, and so it's amazing all the talents that we have here. Uh, tell us a little bit, I don't know if you or Susan would want to jump in and yeah. Oh, they're both you funny at each other. Uh, oh, oh, um, yeah, yeah. So uh, the outsider is fun because it's definitely uh, it's focused on a slightly different sort of uh, politics. I know. Um, uh, it, I don't know if it's explicitly feminist in any particular, any particular way, um, but it is definitely. Uh, it's kind of a. It's definitely a comedy, and it's about sort of the particularly the differences between like the bureaucratic side of politics and the you know actual campaigning side of politics mm -hmm. and how the skill sets that you need for both of those things are dramatically different um and uh yeah i know uh i play i play this guy dave who's this campaign manager for this this uh lieutenant governor who has just become governor and is is great at the bureaucracy and is absolutely abysmal at the campaigning and um i spend most of the show desperately desperately trying to keep this man in office it's uh <laughs> and is this a contemporary story then Susan? yes it's meant to be present day it was uh, written what in uh, Pretty recently, I think. Uh, now I've forgotten, like 2015, mm -hmm. something like that. Um, so, so definitely, you know, in in our present political atmosphere, as far as campaigning goes, and how people approach getting other people into office, and mm -hmm. it's it's kind of interesting. So Sebastian and I both play. But I, I, I keep saying political operatives, but every time I <laughs> say that, it it's, it's like, sounds like a bad thing. But meaning that they are both behind-the-scenes people mm -hmm. whose job it is to you know, figure out how to get somebody else in, into office. And so he's, you're his chief of staff, and I'm a, I'm a pollster. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm all about the numbers, which is also sort of interesting. <laughs> it, <laughs> I mean, you know. it does. So, it's fun to yeah. think about our own current world being reflected on the stage mm -hmm. at the same time we're living it in real life. Yeah. And so that must have been really fun to explore. But they've made this a comedy. It, it, it is 
I think I think it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, and partly, but as I think the best comedies do, it just it pushes what we think of as sort of normal to to the comic extreme. You know, can you come up with you know the worst possible person not to be in government? The worst possible. Per- person you can think of to try to put out there on the campaign trail (laughs) and that's where the play starts is that you suddenly have somebody who's in this position of having to campaign and it is so not his thing and what everybody else around him is trying to do to you know make this thing succeed yeah it's described as he's an inept uh, politician is that (laughs) He's he's a very good politician on that bureaucratic side, but not a good politician on the uh, mm-hmm. shake hands and kiss the baby side. <laughs> <laughs> and that is something we've learned a lot more about these days of mm. what it takes to, behind the scenes, make all of those happen and make decisions about how you're going to move forward, what you're going to take your, candidate, your challenger on. And so I can imagine yeah. it makes a great, yeah. great play. And and the one actually sort of interesting decision I think the playwright made is there isn't at this point in whatever is going on, there isn't a challenger. So it's really all about, you know, this guy becoming a candidate in, in some way. So mm-hmm. that so he's you know, he has he has to be able to do it, but he doesn't have he doesn't have any opponent to bounce off of or anything so that's and it sounds like both of these plays have real uh reflection points for us in our current world that that can you know be illuminating to us if we went to the stage even though your play the um revolutionist is 17 let's see i gotta get my date 93 and so uh, are you hoping that people will will make that connection and do some of that reflection most definitely. And there are some references that are written throughout the play that show that Lauren Gunderson mixed the time periods a little bit. We have a, um, well, maybe it's not giving it away too much. There's a reference to Les Mis, which is pretty blatant. It's not disguised at all. And when was that? Les Mis was 18-something. Oh, well, it said in, I think, the uh, mid-1800s. Mm. Oh, yeah. gosh, I'm forgetting the actual date, but... Definitely not the French Revolution, right. the first right. one, a different yeah. French Revolution. Mm-hmm. So there are contemporary references, and some of the jokes are more modern. And we tried with some of the dress, the costumes, there's a modern piece somewhere. Some of it's hidden a little bit, but on every woman, you've got some contemporary looks. So the struggle, the feminist struggle, the political struggles, I hate to use this word, but they're timeless. They mm-hmm. are, and definitely relatable. And that is something I think really interesting for us to think about because oftentimes we feel like this is the struggle, right? This, but but it's an echo of mm-hmm. what's you know come mm-hmm. before. Yeah. There's that it's not all anew every four years or three years or two years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny how the older we get, how much more apparent that becomes. <laughs> I agree. Well, yeah, speaking as a history student. Um, Everything since the you know fall of the monarchies and the creation of democracies, there's a lot of similarities in all the politics. Especially, I think both of these shows touch a lot on the power of perception. I mean, you know that's true even in monarchies. But like so much about politics is how are you perceived? And um, yeah, like uh, Olympe de Gouges being a playwright, trying to shape public perception with her words, and the characters in our play trying to 
you stay in office by not being perceived as terribly inept you know mm-hmm. it's it's yeah. a good it's a good sh- um th- there's a lot a lot to think about there actually i think just how folks consider power and you know the the government and society mm-hmm. i think the other um i maybe I, and this just came to me so this may be idiotic when i say it out loud but um that there is also i think the point of sometimes the distance between people you know the public or the people and what they perceive as of what their government is and what it's doing to or them, not doing. <laughs> for them, or not for them, or to them, or or, or whatever. And I think that it, it's not you know a major theme, but I think that is certainly one of the things that's that's underpinning you know all the action of both plays. Exactly, and we should tell people because I want to make sure and and have people understand this way that you're presenting the plays at the Northfield Arts Guild. That both are happening during the same runtime, but never on the same night. Exactly. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, opens for three weekends. It's running mm-hmm. right, and right. so probably the easiest thing would be to direct them to the NorthfieldArtsGuild.org website, but uh, people can see both plays. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. Well, and I think the reason we're doing three weekends is so that both plays have our, their our usual six performances, and mm-hmm. some of those are evening performances and summer matinees. And I wasn't part of the date picking, but that was that was how it was sorted out. So that over the three weekends, we have you know that usual opportunity mm-hmm. to see a show. Right. So. And in addition to Sunday matinees, or Saturday matinees too. A couple too, Saturday right? matinees as well. Mm-hmm. So that's new, and, and yeah. that should be an opportunity for, you know, for people to maybe add something into their weekend that it fits a little bit better with all the things that are going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can see two shows in one day. That's true. There are some yeah. days where it's both a matinee and an evening yeah. show. And we were hoping to help people cope with the political season by putting these on right now. So. <laughs> well, that brings me to the question that I, I was thinking that uh, what I would look forward to in both of these is because they're comedies, right? Yeah. And sometimes when it's real life, it's kind of hard to laugh at what's going on. But yeah. when you can see it on a stage, as people who've been immersed in this these world of these plays, has laughing been helpful? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I think so. You know. well, most definitely for our group, because it is for women, a four female cast. And with the right struggle that we've had recently, that I believe has helped us a lot. I should say, though, Paula, that it is a dark comedy, The okay. Revolutionists. <laughs> is. We find it really funny, but we've been on the inside. I think people will. The cast is terrific. They've got a strong connection to one another. But it is a dark comedy. So Yeah, we got to get that out there because yeah. that's a different slice of, mm-hmm. of comedy. But it's important. And I think it, you know, it, it, it gives us a chance to look back again at that historical echo that comes, mm-hmm. you know, th- through all time back, you know, two, three hundred years ago. And how about for yeah. your cast? Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, working together and, you know, trying to make this uh, comedy, you know, on stage come unfold. Well, I think um, one of the things that helps is the play takes place over just three days, so and most of it is on on one day, and so um, just in terms of of being able to work work comedy on the stage, that sense of urgency you have about you know we this has to happen, this has to happen, this mm-hmm. has to happen, and you know so everybody is like you know pushing, 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 and that. Mm-hmm. So I think that that 
that makes it fun fun to do and also you know is part of the comedy right there so well, yeah it's, it's fun to especially i mean uh, so many political concerns these days are really more of like a partisan thing um but this is much more about the actual structure of the office so you don't necessarily have you don't have to think so much about the you know intense partisan debates that are currently you know roiling all of our politics and such you can just yeah. sort of think about oh this is kind of there's some silliness in how the system is set up actually yeah. there's a lot of uh, a lot of silliness mm -hmm. and, and then it does sort of land pretty firmly on the side of you know to people in government government is a job to get done you know and how how is that how does that uh, you know balance with how you get yourself there to be able to get the job done so that's yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. fascinating I'm, to think about. I'm worrying a lot about spoilers. I have to tell you, I've got a little, <laughs> voice, little voice in my head saying, "Okay, don't don't give away yeah. jokes." Well, at least we don't have spoilers because yeah. everybody knows what happens to the three real women. So they all die. Oh, sure. They okay. all die, but they live on in different yeah. ways. So. Yeah, and the, your play is a play within a play, and so trying to stage that has been kind of a, a fascinating. Mm -hmm. You know, experiment really, and we we decided to embrace that. You will see um, scripts on stage. Not they they set the time they fit the time period. The actors are using them as props. It's a comment on how the play unfolds in a limp's mind. We mm. see her at the beginning starting to write it, and then as the characters come in, the play goes further and further. So the actors are using them as props and references with certain things. So that's something I've never tried before, and I wasn't sure how it would go, how my decision would impact the actors, but last night at Final Dress, they know how to use those things, and they're supports, they're not crutches, and they're to demonstrate the unfolding of the play. So that I was think I, I kind of like that echo of you know the the play as life and the imagination and how it all is intertwined mm -hmm. and maybe we have to think about what's the real story and what's the imagined story that's a really good echo that is happening mm -hmm. our my cast handles it so well too there was a concern it's like am i giving them an obstacle to work through by giving them these papers and asking them to use them they're doing a beautiful job with them so. so that'll be fun to see again. That's the Revolutionists, and that opens up tonight, Friday, the twenty-first at seven thirty, and then runs for those three weekends. I think it's easier if we just direct people to the website yeah. and let them pick the days that work. But uh, I was thinking, if people have this is the opening show for the season of the Northfield Arts Guild yep. Theater, mm -hmm. and if they have season tickets, do they get to see both of these plays yes. with the season tickets? Yes, yeah. it's so part it's like of the, a bonus. It's part of the season ticket. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. If, Counting these two plays together, it's a five five show season. Um, uh, people buying season tickets have an option to add um, the Purple Door production of Newsies in Wait. in as, as well. Um, there's there, so there are actually two season tickets. But yeah, so tonight is the opening night. If, if people like opening nights, tonight <laughs> is the opening night for Revolutionists, and tomorrow night is the opening night for The Outsider. So. Friday, Saturday, boom, boom. And so and I was off. thinking of the, the staging then, because you aren't going to be able to, you know, or are you redoing the set every time that the productions come on? Well, I was fortunate enough to work with Dion. We worked together with Mark Robinson, who is our set designer. And really, it's furniture pieces that get swapped. We use the same space. And I think we only have one part of a wall that gets switched. 
So we made it so it would be efficient for everyone because we do have to change over every time. Like tonight, we have the Revolutionists. We actually have the Saturday matinee, too, at 2. But then oh, for your show, right? Right. So then we switch over for the Outsider tomorrow afternoon. So they're kind of more back-to-back, the Saturdays are. But Mark worked really hard, and Dion's been amazing to communicate. And we figured out yeah. a way. It seems very painless for us all switching over. Yeah. So we just need. We've had a great stage manager who just last night we were getting notes and he was back there getting the stuff already shifted and (laughs) so that it would be ready for the folks today. And And communication has been the key because we've had to communicate with their stage manager. Ours have had to communicate. So it's really one big team Mm -hmm. with two different Mm -hmm. plays. It's, yeah, it sure sounds like a yeah. great opportunity for folks to go yeah. have a few laughs and enjoy some great acting and stories on the stage. So yeah. I'm thrilled for you, and I want to thank Misha Edwards, Sebastian Lawler, and Susan Carlson for being my guests on Art Zany Radio. Please check out NorthfieldArtsGuild.org on the theater page. You'll find all the details, and you can just simply click and get your tickets. You can also show up at the downtown location and buy them or go to, to the theater. But you do run the risk if you go to the, on the night of the show or the afternoon of the show of not getting a ticket, so I recommend getting them in advance. Mm-hmm. But there, are, I, I believe there will be tickets at the box office. This, there are. This weekend, yeah. we know that. Especially. So, yeah. so mm-hmm. folks so want to do that, so thank please you. Please come help us. Get going. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, folks, this is Art Zany Radio for the Imagination. I've got one quick plug again for our Northfield uh, Living Treasure Award, which we are currently taking nominations for. This is an award that honors individuals who have, over a long period of time, made significant contributions to Northfield in, through, or on behalf of the arts and culture and enhances the reputation of the city and the quality of life of its residents and visitors. You can go to the Northfield Arts excuse me, the City of Northfield website, click on the um, Living Treasure Award in the uh, Arts and Culture Commission section, or just do a search, and you'll find it. Please bring in those applications. The deadline is approaching. And I hope that, folks, you keep listening to Arts Annie Radio, and always, in the meantime, until next time, enjoy your imagination. You've been listening to Art Zany, radio for the imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist. Art Zany is brought to you each week by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts in Faribault. Connect and experience art at the Northfield Arts Guild. Visit our galleries, arts festival, and take in a performance at our theater featuring a full season of dramas, comedies, and musicals. The Guild's gift shop showcases unique art from over 100 local and regional member artists. Come enjoy music from the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra or the 411 Concert Series. We invite you to explore your creativity in one of our classes. All are welcome at the Northfield Arts Guild. To learn how you can be a part, visit northfieldartsguild.org or call 507-645-8877. Some days I feel so down. I can barely get out of bed. Is this depression? Mental Health Minnesota is here to help seven days a week with resources, peer support, online screenings, connections to treatment, and crisis services. It's anonymous, confidential, and free of charge. Whether you're living with a mental health condition, are concerned about someone you love, or could use some support, Mental Health Minnesota is here for you. MentalHealthMN.org. Sponsored by Mental Health Minnesota, the Minnesota Broadcasters Association, and this station.